In plastic injection molding, 3D printing of cores that include conformal cooling channels are set to become more of a mainstream choice, but there are a few rules that apply when creating such parts for plastic injection molding. I'm Leslie Langnaum, editor of Make Parts Fast, and I'm here today with Gordon Stiles, founder and president of Star Rapid, to discuss some of the key factors behind designing for the plastic injection molding process. So thank you for being with me here, Gordon. I'm very pleased to be with you there. Okay, so in addition to advice that is often given on drafting and wall thicknesses, what other design tips would you give the design engineer? Well, I think whenever anyone's designing anything, um, they should really consider the manufacturing process that they're designing for. Uh, This may sound kind of uh, a bit of a no-brainer, but in the rapid prototyping industry. I mean, I've been in it since 1993. I mean, I've seen tens of thousands of parts. And so often is the case, especially with uh, newbies um, to design, you know, inventors and these kinds of guys, um, they come up with an idea for a part and then they ask you, okay, can you make it? And you say, well, what process did you design for this for? And they're like, well, don't you decide that? Well, that's actually not the case. It's very, very important that the designer has this uh, has the process in mind right at the outset. Um, so it's almost like stepping back before you get to advice about injection molding. First of all, you've got to decide that injection molding is in fact the right process for what you're doing. And so you have to consider, are you making it in metal or plastic? And even to that, even those kinds of simple questions sometimes are not answered by the time we get uh, data. Uh, but let's assume that they have understood that they want to do plastic injection molding. Um, if they don't have experience in the field, one of the best things they can do is actually read um, a book of rules. Uh, and there's a few, there's one by DuPont and various other people that actually explain the basics of how to design for plastic injection molding. Okay, so it almost sounds like today's engineer has to be familiar with at least three different styles of making parts, that of traditional subtractive, then injection molding, and now today additive. Yes, so um, you talked about plastic injection molding earlier, and you Mm -hmm. talked about um, conformal cooling cores, which are done by metal 3D printing. If I can talk about conformal cooling cores for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big problems with plastic injection moldings is if a part has some very long, deep uh, uh, hollows, let's say, and the core has got to get all the way down to the bottom quite deep, and it's got to extract all the energy out of the molding. Once it's been molded, it's hot. Um, It's got to freeze off, plastic's got to freeze off, and you've then got to extract enough energy from it so that you can eject it from the tool. Uh, Now, traditionally, these cores that go very deep can get very hot and they've got to be cooled. And the way they used to do it was to drill holes one way and drill holes another way and then block off the holes in certain places to make the coolant kind of go around in a rectangular sort of pattern. Um, It's very inefficient. So now you can 3D print these cores with um, 
what looked like wormholes very, very close to the surface of the core, and that allows you to extract the energy very, very efficiently. And when you're able to 3D print these cores, you can save up to 30% of the cycle time. And when you're talking about high cavitation tooling, you're talking about um, uh, you know a lot of parts uh, to cool very quickly and, and eject, you know that can save a lot of money, dramatically reduce the cost of production. Okay. So once you've um, got conformal cooling core technology, you can do other things. So one of the biggest single problems with molding is that when you inject the plastic, as it flows out through the part, if you're trying to make holes in the part, when the plastic meets the piece of metal that will form that hole in the plastic, it has to go around it and recombine on the other side. And this is where it recombines. We call that uh, a weld area and it will leave what looks like a scratch on the surface of the plastic molding, what we call the weld mark. Now, these weld marks can uh, cause problems. They can be stress cracking areas, or if the part is supposed to seal so that it doesn't let uh, gas or, or some kind of liquid out, then it can actually leak at those points. Uh, not to mention the fact that it's unsightly. It just looks like the part scratch at the edge of every single hole in, in the molding. With conformal cooling technology, not just the deep cores, but actually, if you actually build the whole tool that way, with this labyrinth, or if you like, this, this wormhole pattern very close to the surface, only 1.5 millimeters from the surface, it means that you can actually, what's called cycle the tool. That means heat it up, inject, and the material will flow in very easily around the obstruction creating the hole you get minimal and in some cases no weld mark and then you switch on the cooling water and you cool the part very quickly so you go through this heating cooling cycling mold and this will allow you to get much better looking parts and you're able to make the material flow much further in the tool uh, so there's less need uh, for example for uh, what's called sequential gating tools where you're opening gate after gate after gate to allow mm -hmm. the plastic to run a long way okay uh, yeah so so it's exciting technology so um those were a couple of other questions that i was going to ask you about are there other tips that an engineer needs to keep in mind especially when they're designing uh, a 3d printed mold for an injection molding operation well it's really I think if you're going to start using 3D printed molds, you need to go to, a, to companies that specialize in making these cores or go to a company that makes molds and has access to people who know how to do this. Um, so outside of my own company, uh, you would be talking about people in Germany like Hoffmann Tooling, Hoffmann Werkzeugbau. They're actually probably one of the first ever to do it. Uh, in fact, they were so um, so ahead of their time, they even set up a company making 3D printing machines called Concept Laser. Mm -hmm. And um, they're actually one of the big boys in the, uh, in the industry. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we do it as well. It, there's, there's a number of companies around, probably about a dozen companies in the world know how to do this. It, it is really, really difficult, frankly. 
I don't think the designer really needs to worry about how the tool's constructed. Hmm. What they need to worry about is, are they just making uh, a designing part that accord with the international rules for the design of plastic injection molding? That's the most important thing. Then and what you do is you really let the tool, tool maker worry about how the tool is constructed. Okay, so then they they create their CAD design and then they can send it over to uh, a service provider such as that who will then tweak it as necessary for an injection yeah, molding process. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I would say there is one mistake that I see repeatedly over and over and over again, and frankly, everyone in our industry is, is um, uh, you know, kind of gets a bit disappointed when they see it, and that is trying to make parts too thin. Uh, I know everybody wants to make thin parts, but making thin parts, long thin parts, really is very costly for the person who is designing the part. Uh, because the longer and the thinner it is, the more difficult it is, the more technology you have to pack into the tool. So by just increasing the thickness of a part by say 30 to 50%, generally speaking, could as much as half the cost of a production tool. So if someone so, has so to create the thin thicker, walls, the so if someone has to have thin walls, is it better to do a different process? No, I think if, you, if you've really got to have thin walls, you need to work with the tool maker from a very early point in the process. Um, so a lot of people will design parts and they will not talk to the tool maker. And then they go to a 3D printing company to get their first 3D printed model made, you know, using stereolithography or some other 3D printing process. They get their parts back and they, they, they assemble it and they're very happy with it. And they start to become wedded to this thinness, wedded to the design. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually a musician, and in, in music circles, we call this demoitis. You know, it's when you record a really bad demo tape, like we used to call them, and you listen to it in the car over and over and over again. And when you go to record it properly, you're wedded to the sound of the really bad demo. <laughs> you know? Okay. And, and, and it's exactly the, it's exactly the same in in design of plastic injection moldings or any design. 3D printing of the of the model does not tell you if you can injection mold it or not. The only way you can know if it's good for injection molding is to ask the toolmaker. So the selection of your toolmaker, even before you start designing, is a very good thing to do. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Gordon, for being here with me. I appreciate your time. No, absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>